0: Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Hello and welcome to the Tracy Sandler Show brought to you by FIVO. I am your host, Tracy Sandler, and I am nothing short of thrilled to be joined today by my friend and colleague, the incomparable. Chris Biederman of the Sacramento Bee, co-host of the Candlestick Chronicles podcast, and all-around great guy. Chris, welcome back to the show.
1: Thanks for having me. The check is definitely in the mail.
0: Yeah, appreciate that. Venmo would be better, but not a big deal. Uh, So let's jump right in. The 49ers start training camp next week. It was reported this week, though didn't really feel like news because I think John Lynch pretty much said this in March, not I think. He did. I was there, but reported that the 49ers have officially given given Jimmy Garoppolo's agents permission to seek a trade. Again, John Lynch said it in March, so not entirely sure it's news. But with a few days before training camp, we certainly got to talk about something. And Jimmy Garoppolo is always a hot topic of discussion. Chris Biederman, where does the young Mr. Garoppolo land?
1: That's a great question. I don't know. <clears throat> because it would, it would make okay, sense.
0: Why did I have you on this podcast? <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, it would, it would certainly make sense for the Cleveland Browns to make a play for Jimmy Garoppolo if and when Deshaun Watson is suspended. Um, but it sounds like they're standing pat with Jacoby Brissett. Um, it was reported today that they're bringing in Josh Rosen and AJ McCarron to potentially compete for backup roles. Um, I think this is kind of the Browns posturing and saying, Hey, you know, we will, we'll just wait for you guys to cut Jimmy Garoppolo because we don't want to send you a mid round pick and we don't want to have to figure out a situation where, you know, they're, they're paying Jimmy Garoppolo some, some portion of his $25 million that he's due this year. Right. That becomes guaranteed Mm -hmm. at the end of August. So, um, I think the 49ers lack leverage here. And I think that's been apparent ever since Jimmy Garoppolo had his shoulder surgery, um, I think the 49ers recognize that, which is why they wanted the messaging out there that they've allowed Don Yee and, and Jimmy Garoppolo's other representatives to, to seek a trade with other teams. Um, you know, I think it's funny, like to, to your point, that was the first thing I, I did when, when that news came down yesterday, it was just like, wait, this has been the case the entire time. John Lynch literally said on the record at the owners meetings, and it's been on the internet, Matt Mayoko wrote about it. Like john lynch said that they've had permission since march and and probably even going back to february so um i guess this is the 49ers just saying yeah no we're we're, when we say we're open for business we really mean it this time so um it's been a national story now everybody's talking about it so um i guess it's successful from that standpoint but really ultimately nothing has changed since march
0: nothing at all. And I went back to the transcripts because I was there that day when John Lynch said it. And I was like, yeah, he said it. And I don't normally retweet articles I wrote four months ago or whatever, but I did this time because I was like, pretty sure this has been discussed for months now. But yeah. I guess as to your point, the messaging worked. So there we go. There's a potentially the Browns, there's potentially the Seahawks. So I just can't see them trading him the Seahawks. There's potentially the Seahawks. I'm sorry, the Texans. But at this point, It feels like the most likely scenario very well may may be him being released on August 30th.
1: It was also interesting the way Adam Schefter phrased his tweet saying, Jimmy Garoppolo is cleared to practice, but the 49ers are also going to exercise caution with him. It's like those are kind of conflicting ideas, right? If you were cleared for practice, Mm -hmm. they wouldn't really need to exercise caution. Um, But, you know, it's, it's probably more likely, and this is what Ian Rappaport reported, earlier this week that Jimmy Garoppolo won't be able to to throw and really cut it loose until mid-August. Um, mm-hmm. which kind of lines up with well he's cleared to practice but the 49ers are going to take a cautious approach. You know, <laughs> I think team I think teams are our understanding of that and despite whatever Adam Schefter says and reports, I think they're more skeptical of the idea that Jimmy Garoppolo is ready to go right now and that might lead to this taking this getting dragged out for a, another couple of weeks. But um, you know, ultimately we've seen it happen, you know, quarterbacks get hurt in training camp or the preseason and then teams yeah. become desperate. And I think that's all the 49ers are doing is waiting for a market to materialize via some desperation, some unforeseen event happening to another quarterback around the league. And then um, that would ultimately uh, potentially allow them to get a draft pick for Garoppolo. But until that happens there, I just don't see there being any sort of robust market on the other hand. And this is, this is an important point too, that, you know, if, if you need a quarterback, you want to get him in your building as soon as possible, particularly if he's going to play or start um, for your team this year, because you want him to learn your offense. You want him to get comfortable in the building with his teammates and all of that. You want that to happen as soon as possible. So that's, That's one point of leverage I think the 49ers do have, particularly looking at the Browns like, hey, if your guy's going to get suspended for half the season or more, you need to get Jimmy in your building now uh, to get him ready to be your week one starter. Um, Mm -hmm. Otherwise, you know, Jimmy Garoppolo not having thrown for four or five months or at the off season and then making him your week one starter after just two or three weeks in the building is not a great idea. Um, so I do think that's one point of leverage the 49ers have, but ultimately it seems like the Browns are, are digging, their, d- digging, digging in on the idea that they don't need Jimmy Garoppolo. And, and I guess that might coincide with the reports that maybe they're expecting half a season for Deshaun Watson suspension. Um, and if that's the case, maybe they do feel a little bit more comfortable with Jacoby Brissett than trying to bring in Garoppolo at some point oh, here over the next few weeks.
0: The Jacoby Brissett Jimmy Garoppolo reunion we were all hoping for may or may not happen. So
1: yeah, well, that's I, all that's of us I, just really I've hoping ho- for that hoping, to
0: happen. I, every day, every day I sit down and think about it, and well, we'll see what happens. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. I think I think the most likely scenario is either going to be yes and getting released or something happening in training camp, and it you know makes me think of a few years ago uh, when the Dolphins got Jay Cutler to come out of retirement. Because Ryan Tannehill, Tannehill tore his ACL, and they were—it was a desperate move—and there may be a team with that. I'm not saying that Jimmy Garoppolo becomes a desperate move for a team, but things do happen, and things could change dramatically over the next two weeks. Certainly I'll, not I'll say for it, anybody, I, but it's football.
1: I think it would take a desperate move for a team to trade for Jimmy at this point, point. and it would be like okay. you know, to, to your point, it would be like the um, the Sam Bradford trade to the Vikings when Teddy Bridgewater had his leg injury during training camp. Right. Like I think for a trade to happen, it's going to take desperation from somebody else.
0: Well, because the reality is at this point, just wait for him to get released. Like nobody, no matter what the messaging is, nobody thinks Jimmy Garoppolo is competing with Trey Lance for the starting quarterback job. So there's no reason for any team other than what you said about getting him in the building, et cetera, et cetera, which is some, there's something to be said for that. And you're right. That is an important point, but at this point, no one thinks that's happening. So for most teams, they could just literally ride it out.
1: Right. Cause the 49ers are absolutely not paying him $25 million to be a backup. They also don't want Jimmy Garoppolo to be the backup behind Trey Lance, where you create a situation with, you know Trey Lance having one or two bad starts in a row during his first season as a starter, and then you have the fan base and or the locker room saying, hey, we've won with Jimmy. Why don't we go with Jimmy? That's not yeah. a, a situation that's conducive to allowing your young guy to develop. Jim Trey Lance is going to have a roller coaster season. I think that's all Absolutely. but guaranteed. And instead like I know you can make a case, well, you want to have Jimmy Garoppolo because two good two good quarterbacks is better than one. It's like, yeah, but the long-term goal here is to develop Trey Lance into one of the best quarterbacks in the league. And that's ultimately Kyle Shanahan's whole emphasis since getting hired in 2017. He's been saying, ideally, you want to have a top five quarterback. That's the best way to win. That's the best way to overcome other deficiencies you might have on your roster. And we see it over and over again, right? Like great quarterbacks can can take middling rosters or teams dealing with injuries and elevate them in a way that a quarterback like Jimmy Garoppolo, who's somewhere between the 12th and 22nd best quarterback in the NFL on any given week, like your margin for error just is raised substantially. And in the NFL right now, you really just need to have a star quarterback. It's very difficult to win without a star quarterback. And I think that's one major difference now than say like a decade ago where, you know, somebody like Joe Flacco could, could win you a super bowl on the strength of a really good defense and a really good running game. Like, no, you need to be able to go beat Patrick Mahomes and Aaron Rodgers. I know Jimmy Garoppolo has beaten Aaron Rodgers in the playoffs, but it largely wasn't because of Jimmy Garoppolo, but like Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, Aaron Rodgers, um, the list goes on and on of star quarterbacks you have to beat. And it's a lot easier to beat those teams when you have a star quarterback as you know, the 49ers have proven it. Like they've had an elite defense. They've had an elite running game, but that just hasn't been enough to get them over that championship hump and their bet is that maybe Trey Lance can develop into a star that can go, uh, that, that can match those guys and give the 49ers a Super Bowl that they so desperately crave.
0: Our partners at Bet Online continue to be the number one source for all your betting needs and sports info. Find all of the latest odds, news, and sports developments, including Major League Baseball, the latest fighting news, and even next season's early NFL futures. With training camp right around the corner, BetOnline has opened up odds for team wins, division futures, and of course, the Super Bowl. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code BELIEVE to get the bonus and get into the action. BetOnline, where the game starts. So Marcus Thompson from the Athletic, our, our friend and colleague, was on this podcast a couple weeks ago, and I said exactly what you said. I said the last thing they want is trailing and of a couple of bad starts, and everything you've just said. And then Marcus said, "Yes, but for us, the entertainment value is amazing." Marcus is like Marcus said, "I want Kyle Shanahan to snap. I want him on that podium." And someone says, "Why don't you start Jimmy?" And I just want him to lose it, and we had a good laugh. But we had we had this conversation, and I could not agree with you more. So I think we can. Put a pin in the Jimmy Garoppolo conversation for now. Can I, can
1: I make one last point to uh, you counter can to make Marcus's as many point.
0: points as you want because you are the guest on this podcast. Okay. and I want it to feel like a safe, <clears throat> happy place for
1: you. 49ers fans might hate this or at least like some 49ers fans would hate this. But if we're, going, <laughs> if we're going for maximum entertainment value, Jimmy Garoppolo needs to be a Seattle Seahawk.
0: Just That's pure- what I said.
1: No. Yes. Just maximum entertainment. Like the best situation for content would be Jimmy Garoppolo, particularly salty Jimmy. Like we saw salty Jimmy come out yes. a little bit this last year in press conferences. He started swearing. He started letting his hair down a little bit because he knew the 49ers, you know, are eventually replacing him. So he didn't, he wasn't as buttoned up as he typically was. I mean, he's, he's always been a two, a two uh, button unbuttoned guy when it comes to the, the button down shirts. But like this was like a personality flip where it's like no I don't really care anymore I'm going to start I'm going to start cursing in press conferences and if Jimmy played for the Seahawks I think his press conferences would be really entertaining and I think the subplots obviously would be super entertaining and look the 49ers I don't think would be particularly intimidated if Jimmy Garoppolo played for the Seahawks like I've seen Jimmy Garoppolo practice against the 49ers defense in training camp and I don't think anybody on that defense would be overly worried about the Seahawks like you know beating the 49ers at the rate that Russell Wilson did. So uh, for me I think the the best the best situation from a content perspective and from a drama and subplot perspective would be Jimmy winding up in Seattle.
0: Well it's funny that you say that because this whole conversation started because I said to Marcus what I'd said to you offline. Really, the best scenario is Jimmy Garoppolo playing for the Seahawks and their only two wins being against the 49ers. Even though I don't actually (laughs) think that would happen, but that would be. And then it got into a whole conversation of Marcus being like, is that what you want for Jimmy, a two-win season? And it became like the whole thing. But I could not agree with you more. That is the most entertaining prospect. But with that in mind, we're going to put a pin in Jimmy for now. But just for now, because I guarantee you this will come up again if not today, in subsequent days. Let's talk a little bit of Debo. It was now reported this week that a deal is not imminent. Training camp starts in a few days. I do think, I think Debo Samuel shows up. I think it behooves him to show up and play. If they're not going to get a deal done, if he's decided he doesn't want to stay in San Francisco, the best thing he could do is put himself in the best position to have a great season. And I think that means showing up on time. That being said, he very well may not do that. Chris Biederman, your thoughts. I feel like a panel host.
1: <laughs> well, so I think it's been my feeling. And and look, I've I've heard things about, you know, Debo Samuel this offseason that have made me believe that this is as tenuous as you would think it is. Right. And I think uh-huh. the 49ers messaging has been very clear that they expect a deal to get done. And I, and I expect a deal to get done what I'm not expecting is it to be easy, right? Like Debo Samuel no, definitely is not, not going to be easy. Yeah. It's not going to be a Fred Warner or uh, George Kittle situation. I don't think. And it wouldn't surprise me if, if a deal doesn't happen until at some point in mid August. Um, and I would expect Debo Samuel to, to do a hold in and be inside the building to avoid. Um, I think it's what, $50,000 a day yeah. or something like that. And under the new collective bargaining agreement. So, Um, They made it much more difficult for players to hold out in the new CBA, but I would expect Debo Samuel not to practice until he does have a new contract. So he could be in the building. He'll look like part of the team as he did uh, during OTAs, the mandatory portion. But um, I kind of think this could get messy. Like I'm not under the impression that Jimmy, that (laughs) Jimmy Garoppolo, that Debo Samuel is, is, a whole in bunch th- of mess is going on in that
0: building <laughs> <to get> <laughs> yeah.
1: I, I do not get the impression that Debo Samuel, you know, loves the Bay Area. I think there are things away from the field that are important to Debo in terms of social life and party scene that, you know, matters to him and the Bay Area, particularly the Forty ers being in Santa Clara just doesn't really offer all that much to a guy in his early twenties who's famous and a great football player and is, 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 has a, you know, isn't going to be peaking in life like, like Debo Samuel is right now, you know, into his forties. Like he's trying to maximize everything he can experience right now. And I understand that to a certain point, but I also understand why the 49ers would look at that and be like, yeah, I'm- we're not thrilled about making this guy one of the highest paid receivers in, is highest paid receivers in the league, right? So I think there's an element of that. I think it's awfully telling that given the 49ers are transitioning in Trey Lance, Debo Samuel has not been, you know, working with Trey Lance in the same way that Brandon Ayuk and Juwan Jennings have. They've been working out with him in the offseason. They followed him to LA. Mm-hmm. Um, there hasn't been any of that with Debo Samuel, which, you know, kind of raises an alarm bell to me. Um so I just think this ultimately the 49ers are the only ones who can pay Debo Samuel right now, ultimately Debo Samuel. And I'm sure his representation are going to understand that, Hey, you want to be with Kyle Shanahan because he's one of the best offensive minds in the league. You just had an all pro 1700 yard season where you prove that you were one of the best offensive p- players in the league. Full stop. You can do that again and be that guy for as long as you want, as long as you're willing to, I don't want to say tolerate living in the Bay area cause that's not the right way to put it. Uh, I'm from the Bay area. So, you know, the Bay area is home to me and I I think it's kind of crazy um, that somebody wouldn't want to live in the Bay area, but like, I just understand why the 49ers would be hesitant and given the usage stuff and given how Debo Samuel played a lot of running back and really late in the season was just like, limping off the field a lot and taking a lot of hits Mm -hmm. and dealing with a lot of different injuries and things like that. Um, You know, this doesn't seem like an easy, uh, an easy path towards for, for either side, finding middle ground. Right. So ultimately, you know, both sides need each other. Debo Samuel is not going to sit out the season. The 49ers really need Debo Samuel if they're going to plan on contending this year. Um, but I just, you know, I expect a deal to get done. I just don't know. I'm not expecting it to be something that happens quickly and smoothly, um, before the start of training camp, like Fred Warner and George Kittle's contracts were. And so, you know, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe they do. Maybe the sides do come together, but, um, I think there, there are a lot of factors that aren't really being reported that are at play here. And it's just not going to be an easy situation to resolve.
0: I think the day that devo samuel requested the trade it was very clear this was not going to be easy because if it was going to be easy i think it could have already been easy so i would agree with you i also agree that i think he will show up i don't think he will practice i pretty much agree how weird chris i agree with pretty much everything you've said today
1: we're very agreeable
0: we are very agreeable on this particular episode of this podcast. I'm always in life. No, I'm just kidding. But on this episode of the podcast. But I, I, I do with that. And I, I used to feel like there was a chance it would get done, you know, right before training camp, similar to Fred Warner and George Kittle. But I, I think we have seen over the last few months that that's not going to be the case. And, you know, I never blame a player for wanting to get you as much as he can and maximize his potential at this point in his career. Cause these guys have very short careers and they play a game where with one play it's all over. So I completely understand that. I think the scrubbing of social media and the unfollowing and the following, all of that is just kind of a bunch of posturing that feels immature, but that is, that's the world we live in now and social media does become a part of all of this. So in some ways I get that too, but all I right. don't think ease, easy is going to be how they describe in years to come, I don't think that's going to have, be how they describe these negotiations. I'm sorry, what so, were you going to
1: say? So are you saying that you don't think Debo Samuel's trainer on an Instagram story saying he's about to get paid soon is an overwhelmingly positive uh, thing that's happened when it comes to these negotiations?
0: Wait, his trainer said that? Okay, I take it all back. There's going to be a deal today. Oh, yeah, no, goodness. I don't think that that necessarily means a lot. I don't think it means a lot. I get why the trainer did it and all of those things, but... Uh, I don't think it means a lot, but I yeah, also if you think, look, if
1: you look closely at that Instagram story, it says gullible on, on the wall right behind his head. You could, you just got to look really close. It might be deleted at this point, but, um, yeah, just check that out if you can.
0: Oh, I'll make sure to go run and do that. I also <laughs> think though, like, <laughs> I also think like in fairness to the trainer, I feel like my trainer could post an Instagram story and be like, Oh, Tracy killed it today. She's about to get paid and not, no one right. thinks yeah. I'm getting a contract. You know what I mean? Trainer- like, I don't think it's a. The trainer's job
1: is to is to gas you up, like that's the whole thing, yes. right? So yeah, exactly. Like let's. You know, I don't no think the trainers thinks... in the in the negoti at the negotiating table with Parag Marate and John Lynch, like that's you know, <laughs> I don't think not. that's happening.
0: But if my Pilates teacher posts that today, guys, it means that I am about to get signed to a massive <laughs> NFL deal. So read <laughs> if,
1: into if it, a yoga instructor, it. my I'll get my yoga instructor to do do to do a video and be like, peace and prosperity. Chris is, Chris is looking forward to a positive step in his career. Namaste. <laughs> and everyone will be like, oh my God, something's happening.
0: I will repost and retweet that and make it like a full on thing. <laughs> that's right. my, that's now my goal.
1: Um, all right, so let's talk. Okay, go ahead.
0: No, overwhelmingly, please. No, no, no. Please. I
1: was just going to say an overwhelmingly positive development, but
0: it's fine. I will make, And I'll make sure to say that in my tweet right. and right. in my repost. <laughs> uh, an overwhelming positive development for Chris Peterman. Let's talk another area. I know that Jimmy Garoppolo and Debo Samuel have definitely you know, taken over most 49ers discussion, but there's uh, an important situation going on on the offensive line. And that is that in the interior of the offensive line, so the 49ers don't currently have a set in stone center, kind of an important position also kind of an important position when you have essentially a rookie quarterback taking over at the helm. I do understand Trey Lance in his second year, but I think you know what I'm saying when I say he's essentially a rookie quarterback, this becomes, I think probably the most important position battle at camp. I mean, I'm, I don't want to overstate it and be overly dramatic, but I do think it's a pretty important battle. And then the center position has a trickle down effect as to who ends up at right guard. So I would love to kind of hear your thoughts. Is it going to be Daniel Brunskill? Is it going to be Jalen Moore? You actually have no idea, but I'd still like to hear your opinion.
1: Who's going to start at center? Yes. I think it's going to be Jake Brendel. And from oh! what, from, from what I've gathered, I mean, he's been the backup for the last, I think it was the last couple of years. years. Um,
0: Correct. Yes.
1: So they're high on him, despite, I think he's, he's, only played like 13 NFL games, something like that. I'd have to go back and check, but he hasn't played a lot. He spent time, um, with the dolphins when 49ers current offensive line coach, Chris Forrester was there. Um, one of the things that's happened along the 49ers coaching staff this off has been that brain drain, right? Like, mm-hmm. um, Mike McDaniel going to Miami and taking a bunch of the assistants with him, there's been a ton of turnover on that offensive coaching staff Um, one exception is Chris Forrester who's sticking around now and who's, you know, one of the top lieutenants now. Um, Mm -hmm. so it used to be Mike, Mike LaFleur. It used to be Mike McDaniel. Those were two of Shanahan's, you know, closest allies on the coaching staff. And now you see Chris Forrester sort of take on that role. Um, and Anthony Lynn is certainly going to be part of that also. But Chris Forrester from my understanding is that he has a lot of sway in that building when it comes to, you know, personnel decisions now and, um, and I guess talent evaluation when it comes to the offensive line and just, I guess, overall scheming because he's going to be a guy who's, who's relied on to, to come up with a lot of the game planning in the, in the running game. Right. Um, mm-hmm. He's a Jake Brendel guy. And so, you know, well, we apparently saw Jake... so
0: am I, cause you said his name and I got really excited. So apparently <laughs> I am also
1: a Jake Brendel guy. <laughs> yeah. So I, I, just don't know, you know, I don't know how good Jake Brendel is. Um, but you know, the Trent Williams had a lot of good things to say about him in terms of like knowing all the assignments and things like that. I know, um, Jake Brendel is, is a decent athlete, I guess at center. Um, and it requires a lot of athleticism to play center in Kyle Shanahan's offense, Um, But, you know, the one, I guess one thing we didn't see is Daniel Brunskill and what his role could potentially be um, during the offseason because he was dealing with knee tendinitis and wasn't practicing, right? And Daniel Brunskill has been the starting right guard for a few years now, um, and I would assume that he's most likely to assume that spot, but there's also a possibility that he ends up playing center with somebody like Jalen Moore or one of their other draft picks winning the right guard spot. Um, but for now, I think Jake Brendel is a pretty clear favorite to win that starting center job. And, and remember last year when, when Trey Lance was the backup quarterback with Jake Brendel as, as the backup center, those two were, were working together almost exclusively, right? Like even, yeah, you know, the pregame warmups, Alex Mack and Jimmy Garoppolo would run out together and, and take snaps. And then it would be Jake Brendel and Trey Lance running out together and taking snaps together. Um, so I think there is familiarity there. I think the 49ers believe Jake Brendel certainly has the mind for it. Um, he doesn't have the track record, which is always, um, which always gives you pause, right? You always look at positions and be like, well, it either needs to be somebody with a track record or a highly drafted guy. And Jake Brendel is a former UDFA who doesn't have a track record, but I think Chris Forrester likes him a lot. And I think Kyle Shanahan values Chris Forrester's opinion a lot and so that's going to go a long way towards determining that, um, that competition battle and who starts, and to your point, there's going to be a trickle-down effect because, you know, if, if Brendel loses starting job to, to Jake Brunskill, then you have somebody else, or to um, Dan Brunskill, then you have somebody else playing right guard, probably Jalen Moore. You have Aaron Banks, who's somebody we haven't talked about, who basically played zero snaps on offense last year, um, after being a second round pick and, you know, it was a little worrisome. The fact that a guy that they drafted in the second round wasn't anywhere close to being able to compete for a starting job that said, Lakin and Tomlinson was a pro bowler who got $13 million a year from the jets this offseason. So I guess that does make a little bit of sense, but, um, yeah, to your point with a rookie or a first year starting quarterback in Trey Lance, it's not ideal to have basically four question marks along the offensive line to the right of Trent Williams, probably the, the best left tackle in the NFL. Like, you know, the 49ers have really good skill players. They have a really good offensive play caller and scheme designer in Kyle Shanahan. But I would say four of the five offensive linemen are substantial question marks because at right tackle, you do have Mike McGlinchey, the, the ninth overall pick in 2018, coming off a really substantial leg injury. Um, and you don't know what he's going to look like. And even when he was healthy, in twenty 2020 twenty and twenty twenty one. He wasn't playing like he did in twenty nineteen when he looked like somebody who wanted to lock up long term. So that's a question mark. Um so yeah, you're you're spot on when you say, you know, I think the big the biggest question on the roster right now is the offensive line because I think the 49ers patched up some of their holes elsewhere on the roster, particularly on defense and in the secondary. Um but you know the offensive line now with Alex Mack retiring is certainly a, a substantial question mark.
0: Well, you do make a good point on Jake Brendel and Trey Lance having the familiarity. And I think that's that's very will become very important because that may end up overtaking track record just because you do want Trey Lance to be comfortable. But of course, you know, we will see. And then you did bring up Aaron Banks. And so I do do want to touch on that. That was someone that I actually asked Kyle Shanahan about at the owners meetings, that how confident were they? And he said, of course, very confident, which, of course, he has to say. But he made a comment that I thought was kind of interesting. Who knows if it's, you know, we'll never know if that actually was going to be the case. But he did say that had things gone differently when the team was three and five, which is something he had kind of said, not specific to Aaron Banks, but something he had said in January that there were players who were going to start getting more playing time had things gone south after three and five and said the mm-hmm. team gelled obviously, together and went to an NFC Championship game. But he had kind of touched on that in January. And then when I asked him specifically about Aaron Banks in March, he said he was one of those players that he did feel midseason He was ready to start playing and either start showing what he could do, but the team gelled and they didn't want to mess it up. Who knows if that would have happened or not, because things didn't go s- Souther. I know that's not a real word, word but, you know, we'll <laughs> see, but it'll be, it will be interesting to see. I actually think uh, that the 2021 rookie class, this is, kind of a a big year for them. And I know maybe that sounds like, yeah, great, Captain Obvious. But you look at that class, obviously you have Trey Lance, you have Ambry Thomas and D'Amador Lenore, you have Aaron Banks, you have Jalen Moore. I mean, this becomes a big year for that class and how they establish themselves on this team for the future. So I I do kind of find that class, I don't want to say fascinating because that seems extreme, but, you know, very interesting. Does Ambry Thomas kind of, continue on his upward trajectory and you have Emmanuel Mosley going into a contract year. Do the 49ers look at Amphrey Thomas as kind of the replacement who ends up at nickel. Does D'Amador Lenore get a chance to kind of redeem himself? He started out strong and certainly fell off and seemed to fall out of favor. Mm -hmm. Uh, Does Aaron Banks prove that he really was a second round pick all the things Chris Biederman, all the things.
1: Yeah. So Really go back to Trent Balky right? What happened with the former 49ers GM? He inherited a really good team. They made some good free agent decisions in terms of like Carlos Rogers and Dante Whitner. Um, and Trent Balky ultimately ended up winning executive of the year. The Niners went to three straight NFC championship games in a Super Bowl with Jim Harbaugh. Um, Trent Balky was, you know, one of viewed as one of the best executives in the league. And what he couldn't do ultimately was replenished the roster through the draft and just had a very bad track record at drafting, drafted a bunch of ACL guys. We don't need to rehash all of that. But the point here, which coincides with yours, is that, you know, for the 49ers to sustain their success, it's going to be by hitting on a lot of these draft picks. And and even going back to 2019, you know, that team was loaded with guys playing on rookie contracts who ended up becoming stars, right? You had Nick Bosa yeah. as a rookie who Was already one of the best defensive players in the league. You had Debo Samuel turning into a really unique weapon, even as a rookie. Um, you had Dre Greenlaw, a fifth round pick starting at linebacker, who made some of the biggest plays of the season, including that fourth down stop uh, in Seattle in the final game of the year, and which gave the 49ers a no, the number one seed, which proved to be paramount in getting to the Super Bowl, right? So, to your point, you know, Trey Lance. The, the, looking at the the 2021 draft class, Trey Lance, obviously starting quarterback, Aaron Banks, probably a starting guard, Trey Sermon, third round pick. Mm. <laughs> I don't think that them drafting Ty Davis price in the third round this year bode super well for Trey Sermon, but at least now the 49ers should have better depth. Ambry Thomas, they view as somebody who could potentially develop into a starter. Jalen Moore we mentioned him as somebody who could potentially start at right guard. And I think. Um, probably should be a starter at some point over these next few years. Who knows with Lenore, maybe he'll be a nickel candidate. Talano Hufanga, another fifth-round pick, is going is right now the the favorite to be the starting strong safety, although I think Tarvarius Moore, um, who's uh-huh. a lot faster and maybe a little bit more versatile, might be a guy that unseats him um, after missing last year with an Achilles tear, depending on how healthy he is. And then the sixth-round pick is Elijah Mitchell, who had the best – uh, season we've seen from a 49ers rookie running back in a long time. So, I mean, those are guys that the 49ers need to step up. And another thing, you know, fast forward to this year, Drake Jackson, second round pick pass rusher. They're ultimately counting on him to, to be a D Ford replacement. And we know how important D Ford was to that 2019 team, even though he didn't play a whole lot. Ty Davis price might end up leading the team in carries at some point here. Um, Danny gray, a receiver that they might be counting on, depending on, you know, are they going to pay, you know, they're probably going to pay Debo Samuel. If Brandon IU takes a substantial step, are they going to pay him? Are they going to have what? $40 million a year wrapped up into two starting receivers. Like I, I I'm dubious of that idea. So maybe Danny gray is somebody that they need to evolve into a starter. Spencer Burford, somebody who they like at tackle. Maybe if you don't pay Mike McGlinchey, maybe Spencer Burford becomes a starter there. Sam Womack, the fifth round pick from Toledo. Yeah. Somebody who I think might end up starting at nickel this year and might be like, you know, the 49ers fans know that they've had a lot of success with fifth round draft picks. I think Womack fits that mold and could, could very well become a very good player for them. Um, Despite being a fifth round pick, despite coming from a small town school, a smaller school in Toledo, like I I think there's, I'm optimistic on Sam Womack, maybe more than more than most. And I've heard good things. Um, From inside the building. So the point here is for the 49ers to maintain being a contending team, they're going to have to hit on these draft picks because that was such an important element of them initially making the leap to contention in 2019 when they went to the Super Bowl, because so many guys like George Kittle, obviously fifth round pick.